Blog Talk Radio. Saturday, but a boxing ring is not where I want to see the four corners. 
or the slowdown game. And Anthony Joshua, for the second time in a row, has shown a very measured approach to his offensive attack. Gabe, I do wonder. We've seen this before, and I've used that term being Rosario'd when a fighter for the first time really gets clipped and hurt and buzzed. It can alter them in different ways. Coming off that back-and-forth slugfest last April against Vladimir Klitschko, is this a different Anthony Joshua now? That's a good question. There's a guy, you know, once you once you find out that you can be hurt and stops, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a ledge, right? That that you know, how aggressive can you be versus how much energy you have left? I think Vladimir Klitschko was the embodiment of that during the Emmanuel Stewart days. Once he knew he could be hurt and stopped, he became very cautious. Now, you know, Joshua is not a, a, a Captain Klitschko uh, like Vladimir was, but. Uh, he didn't did seem like he, he doesn't like to get uh, mixed up in there, you know, uh, for too long. Maybe he's afraid of something coming back and getting hurt. So that's an excellent point. That maybe this is is not just the way he's approaching these opponents. It's, it's the way he is now. But you know, I, I think with a cagey guy, you want to uh, do what he was doing, approach steadily. Uh, a guy that's going to move and come at you from odd angles and uh, is going to be trying to back you up into traps. You want to approach behind a jab and move slowly, but. At some point, you want to explore that you can do more, particularly in the back end. And I just didn't think Joshua ever really did. It was clear to me that he was winning. Uh, I thought his aggression was effective. But, I mean, it just wasn't very exciting. I mean, maybe this is also a case of, you know, win this one, look good in the next one, because you, you might be facing, uh, you know, Wilder or, or you might be facing Miller, uh, who, who are probably the styles that are more amenable to what Joseph, uh, to what Anthony Joshua does. I'm not sure. Gabe, in my view, Joshua fought a very good, smart, tactical fight. He controlled the distance, along with the help of Giuseppe Corturone, who, in the words of the great Marv Levy, would say, what an over-officious jerk. I mean, honestly, he was a, a referee that was way too noticeable. And as, <laughs> as I said in my article today, it, it's a WWF reference from the 80s about a crooked referee making it two-on-one. This guy was Danny Davis. I mean, it was bad, and he was overmatched on this assignment. This is why you need experienced hands. This is why you need veteran referees that have been on the big stage. This guy was absolutely awful. Now, did it actually disrupt the fight? Yes, but did it alter the outcome? Probably not. In defense of Anthony Joshua facing a smaller by relative comparison, heavyweight, who can move and was agile and was safety first, second, third, and fourth, it's very difficult to look good against them. And so a bigger target who's more ponderous and a little bit slower, Anthony Joshua's probably going to have a lot of success against them. But Joseph Parker, to me, uh, I hear people on Twitter saying, oh, he outboxed him, he was slippery, he was crafty, he was tricky. Yeah, those are adjectives, but... If they don't come with this phrase, he was also hitting him more, they don't win rounds. Bottom <laughs> line, you, you don't get credit for defeating the over-under or exceeding expectations or not getting knocked out. Now the big question is, Anthony Joshua, will he square up for the WBC heavyweight title against Deontay Wilder? Wilder and his representatives tomorrow will have a – Showtime organized media conference call, and they're going to state their case. Uh, I'm going to say it again. If they believe they are anything close to economic parity, they're not going to get the fight. The closer they are to understanding that they are the decided B-side 
And judging by the comments of Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn post-fight, they're going to have the fight where they want it. Do they have to come to the United States? No, they really don't. I mean, Dave, look at the facts here. This guy's last three fights have all been in football stadiums that have essentially sold out. Yes, I get the pay-per-view market is bigger in America, but if there's ever a fighter that didn't need to come to America, it is Anthony Joshua. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's really a question, and and I don't think it's a question really on either side. I mean, uh, in that hour-long interview that Wilder did about uh, three days ago, he said it's it's probably going to be in the UK first at least. Uh, just because they do it different over there. They do it so much bigger and better. And, and boxing is, is uh, not the same. It's not treated the same in the U.S. by, uh, by this audience than it is in the U.K. It was, as we've talked about many times, fewer options. Uh, it's just remained uh, in, the, in the public's eye. Maybe it didn't have, uh, it didn't have Don King and Bob Arum driving it to, to cable and uh, pay-per-view uh, you know, and, and Las Vegas and, and kind of marginalizing the sport in, in the public sphere. Uh, sphere rather um, and that's you know that's just the facts of the matter and over there it's it's it, it's a thriving thing where you can sell out football stadiums I think Wilder completely understands that I don't think he wants 50-50 they've said over and over again that that's not what they're looking for they just want a, a fair deal where he's going to make a lot of money and, and not give up every single thing I mean I imagine you know the the judging is, is probably where they're going to land on look you know here is where we're going to need some parity uh, and the ref, I mean, good Lord. But I thought the guy kind of looked like Braun from, from Game of Thrones. My buddy pointed out he looked a little bit more like Kevin Spacey, especially with all that uh, unwanted grabbing. Uh, ah. you know, it was just, uh, uh, to me, like my brother Tom, one of the first things Tom taught me about boxing. He's like, whenever you see a ref that you don't recognize in a big fight, uh-oh, uh, it's going to be a problem. And that has always remained true. I mean, you see this guy uh, breaking up stuff. He didn't, he didn't mess up the, the fight, but he... I think he, you know, messed up possibilities of where the fight could have gone. And so he did alter it in, in that sense. But uh, looking at the rest of the fight, I don't think Parker was like, damn it, if only those two things hadn't happened. Um, okay, but, you, you know, know what I found thing? interesting? In hmm. round six, Corcheron actually broke up an exchange between the two fighters where Parker was actually very aggressive for about 10 seconds. And then you watch the replay. Parker didn't land a single punch. But then that clinch where Cortrone basically hurled himself into that pile, there was no reason for him to break them up. That, to me, encapsulated what happened between Anthony Joshua and um, Joseph Parker. Gabe, in other news here, Sal Canelo Alvarez last week, the Nevada Athletic Commission, has filed a complaint over the anti-doping issue for him testing positive for clenbuterol, and he is being called into an April 18th meeting in Las Vegas. If you didn't think the fight was in doubt before, and I certainly thought it would be rubber stamp, Gabe, it's certainly in trouble now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's also, you know, still um, procedure. This is what they're doing. As I understand it, the 18th is when they were having their regular meeting anyways. That's why it was moved from the, you know, the 10th. They just moved it. But, it, you know, it could also be a formality that, look, Behind the scenes, this fight's getting canceled. Uh, the other guys have to move on, and we're going to hold this meeting. Rather than holding a special one, in case we were going to have the fight, we're going to move it to the normal meeting because we ain't having the fight. Um, 
you know, the, uh, there's been a lot of debate about what, you know, the, the, the samples. And really, here's what we know. He tested positive twice for clenbuterol. There was less clenbuterol metabolites uh, in, in the second sample as in the first, which is natural. I mean, if you were testing for caffeine uh, and I took a bunch of caffeine in a period, I would have more in the first sample than I would in the sample a couple days later. That's the nature of uh, how things excrete from the body. So all the junior Sherlock Holmes and, and scientists out there just need to calm down. Uh, we also know that the clenbuterol in this system actually does fall within the confines of uh, all these other contamination cases. Uh, but like, you know, you point out in your article and, and we've talked about the 2016 and uh, the WADA code as well as Nevada's code. Uh, there's this thing called strict liability where the guy is you know, liable for what's in his system. There's also mitigating circumstances within that, which is, you know, he sent somebody else to get, uh, to get steak. They came back with the bad stuff. He tested positive. Uh, that could be a mitigating circumstance. So he hasn't put out his case, but if I had to, you know, take all of those facts uh, and, and just, you know, and just deal with that. Not all the, the feelings. I see people ranting and I knew all along and all the other things I feel bad about Canelo add up to him being guilty. That's all bullshit. Even the stuff like Jimmy coming on and going, ah, oh, you guys, come on. I use It doesn't matter what you did. We're dealing with the facts of this case. Uh, and the facts of this case is, you know, if he was going up against WADA, there's a reason why strict liability isn't a death sentence. People do beat it. Uh, there are cases. Uh, but I think in this case, what's going to happen is they're going to suspend him so he can fight in September. Triple G is going to get his May 5th fight, and they're going to they're going to look like a commission that does what uh, they're supposed to in this case. Uh, even though I think it maybe should be a harsher sentence if they could prove he cheated, which they I don't know if they are going to. Uh, but that's what's going to happen, and I don't think it means Canelo's a cheater. As as all the stuff we've read, I've sent you on clenbuterol. It says there's no way to prove if it was cheating or if it was contamination. We know certain levels with certain cases, and that's about it. Uh, and I think that's where it's going to go. And no hair test either. Yeah, some people believe that. Um, that that guy Ian Kidd, boy, he's going to die on that hill. I mean, it's, it's amazing that he actually says, "Well, yeah, it, it could be cheating, but if you think it's cheating, you're wrong." No. Yeah, no. It's, that it's guy's just said. upset. See, you're allowed to think whatever you want. It's either A or B. He was cheating or it was meat contamination. Um, I, listen, you can have your opinion. I can have my opinion. I, I do go back to this, strict liability. Um, yeah. and, and will he try to prove his case to that, hey, hey, maybe it was. What if he doesn't prove his – he doesn't have to talk to the media. He really doesn't. Maybe the lawyers have said don't say anything, which would actually yeah. be par for the course. But my case, my point is, well, what if he never tries to prove anything? You know, yeah, it doesn't look good. And you know, yeah. the test, the science is is debatable, as Kid pointed out. But you know, it's a it's qualitative. It's either in you or it's not, right? Uh, and so the problem right now is just uh, how long was it in this system, and what was the concentration, all that stuff. But like I said, all the science points to you can't prove it was there or not. Like you said, it comes down to strict liability, which equals. The fighter is responsible for what goes in his body. He made right. a and, and so this is on And him. under the WADA code, you're not allowed to have any clenbuterol. There is no threshold where it's legal. Nope. That's, uh, yeah, that's another fact. Yeah. Right, and all these people like Ian Kidd that keep saying about his research and his re- – right. But the fact is if you go by the Nevada rules, which were amended in September of 2016, as I pointed out in my article, have all the research you want. Read the rules. Yeah. The rules. They matter. Sort of. And again, I really don't know what the case is with Canelo. I'd like to see him lay out his defense. As of yet, he has not done that private or publicly. 
And the question is, at this point, will he ever? Now, if we are to believe that the commission on April 18th is going to send out some sort of harsh sentence, harsh with quotation marks, let's say it's six to 12 months. And I'm with you, Gabe. I think it's going to be six months because it'll give the look of discipline, but while also being very convenient that, hey, come Mexican Independence Day weekend, let's just fit this rematch in right now. So the question at that point becomes, will Canelo Alvarez, under the guidance and the umbrella of the Nevada State Athletic Commission and perhaps VADA, will he then be placed in an accelerated drug testing program throughout that period? That, that's the big question that I have. He should be. He should be for the next year, not to, you know, with either they contract it through VADA, uh, which is a, a very aggressive testing panel with CIR on every, every sample, uh, or if, if they're going to come up with some sort of Bob Arum special and slap together some sort of program that they, they do through a lab. Uh, of, of Nevada's choosing, I would I would hope that it would be through Vada. Uh, you know, they already why and reinvent the wheel, and uh, you know, but it, I think it should be a year, not just through through this, uh, you know, th- through to the next pay per view, and you're clear. Uh, I, I think they, he needs to do. You know, it, it was good enough for Louis Ortiz. They put him through a battery of tests. It should be good enough for Canelo. As I said at the beginning of this process, because we've always been waiting for, and we got uh, some sense of it with Usada and Floyd and the IV debacle uh, and the NSAC, but, you know, an anti-doping program and, and that kind of movement is only as good as how you treat the biggest stars, not the Eric Morales who are on their way out to retirement, but a guy like Canelo looking down the barrel of a, of a lucrative pay-per-view. Uh, so I think they got to suspend him. If you this know, case is not provable. Even if they suspend them for just six months, which, again, that's like giving a starting pitcher a five-day suspension. You miss one start. That's still, what, $30, $40 million that he's not going to be able to make? I mean, that's pretty significant under any standard. By any relative standard, that's a hit. Um, Also, but if you go a full year, that's two paydays. Of tens of millions. That's a real penalty. So even six months, I look at it, I'm like, wow, look, you lose a payday of 30 to $40 million. Your reputation is shot to smithereens in a lot of circles. Yeah. You're always going to be tainted, and you might be put under a strict drug testing program, which is more stringent than the one you were in before. That's pretty significant, even at six months. I want to point that out. But, but, Gabe, you know, again, this is a guy that I like. And you know me, I'm not anti-Belt because I understand the business. Again, hashtag belts matter. But Mauricio Suleiman has to stop. Uh, I know you're back in business with Canelo and you guys are simpatico again. But when he's putting out these statements and everything is just like this mealy-mouthed defense of Canelo while at the same time saying we can't pass judgment, which is exactly what he's doing, he needs to stop. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's not like he's you or me giving our opinion. He's a guy that's a you know, pretty influential person. Well, I mean, you're pretty influential in sport. Uh, but, you know, it's a guy that kind of factors into, into things, giving his opinion. It's, it's inappropriate is, is, what, is what I would call it. Uh, and, and, again, just because you have a drug testing program uh, that's pretty much in its infancy and is pretty beatable at this point if you're in the top 15 – uh, because it doesn't, it's not aggressive, and the amount of times it tests everybody, you need to just mind your own star. 
and, and, you know, just relax and, and stop trying to influence, you know, Nevada and, and public opinion with your opinion, because you, you got to understand who you are. I, I find it, you know, he laid out things and I, I didn't disagree, but I, I didn't like him giving his opinion. It's just, we haven't heard Canelo's side of things. Unless Here. everybody knows he's got the, you know, a big slab of computer all beef uh, to prove his case. Everybody needs to calm down. Here's a press release that was put out under the byline of Mauricio Suleiman. It says, WBC Press explains why Canelo cannot be found guilty of doping. Really? Now, here's the difference. I, I don't know if I'm influential or not. I'm just a writer. Uh, I blog. I write some stories. I'm a raconteur. I tweet a lot, and I'm a general smartass, and I think I'm hilarious. I don't have real, real influence. Mauricio Suleiman does. He is the head of one of the major sanctioning bodies. They mandate mm-hmm. fights, they make fights, they hand out titles, okay? So he's much more influential than any of us. I will give him that. I like Mauricio personally. However, that does not insulate him from getting any type of blowback or criticism when he bloviates like a blowhard who wants to just stick up for his Mexican star who we've gotten back in the good graces of. How in the world can he say he cannot be found guilty when, A, as I pointed out, you said we shouldn't pass judgment. Uh, Big Mo, that's exactly what you're doing. And number two, you haven't heard his case either. How would you know? And then yesterday, it was pointed out on Twitter, why isn't Canelo part of your clean testing program? And he gave some answer that I think was very, very deceptive. Okay? Yeah, and, and again, he's covering for Canelo. I, don't, yeah, I, I get it, but I don't get it. Because he said, you know, well, Canelo has been doing, they were doing testing for this fight. And so, uh, you know, they, he doesn't need to, he is basically in a pl- clean program, but it's like, no, that's different. When you're doing testing for training camp, that's like eight to 10 weeks. Uh, doing the CBP, uh, you know, uh, is, is a year round program. So why isn't he in that program? How yeah. do you rank this guy in your, in your system? But he's not, you're not following your own rules. I, you know, I tweeted that at him, uh, and he just he, – he didn't respond to me. Um, but, you know, the thing I will say about this to people go, Canelo's been cheating this whole damn time. When it was unpopular to do VADA, when no one was doing it, uh, when people uh, – the same people that are throwing out these criticisms were saying that Victor Conte secretly ran VADA and secretly owned VADA – um, even though one of the guys associated with him, Berto, tested positive, like the second positive they had, which so their logic for argument jumped out the window. Um, these same guys forget that Canelo did VADA testing, of, uh, his, own, his own idea with Shane Mosley, and continued to stay with VADA while the standard was Floyd Mayweather doing USADA. So this is a guy that that's, has done this training camp testing, you know, uh, uh, testing. Now, was he all the way back then going, I'll do what Floyd's doing, uh, and, or you know, allegedly, and cover my tracks by only testing with this guy, you know, with these guys uh, during this time? Well, there was a time when he was in the clean boxing program, too. Uh, he's not anymore. So the logic for argument there doesn't really work for me. He had supported anti-doping. Uh, but what Mauricio Suleiman was real tricky and not the same thing. So just wanted to point that out. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if April 18th, in terms of whether May 5th goes on or not, they may not even get to that point. Uh, let's just put it that way. I don't think they're going to wait hmm. all the way because there's the bottom line. People at HBO have told me they can't do anything right now. 
Um, in a pay-per-view promotion, you need the help of the affiliates and all the networks, the cable and satellite companies across the country to spend yeah. money to market this. And as of right now, all of that is frozen. And someone mm. who's given me very good information in the past flat out said, Steve, we can't do anything. We are handcuffed. And once they moved this back to the April 18th date, that further shackled them. So again, just, just look at the handwriting on the wall. To me, it would not surprise me if everyone involved just said, hey, listen, um, <laughs> see you in September. Let's get on with May 5th, but without Canelo and Golovkin. Um, stay tuned for details. Gabe, moving on here before we get to the Twitter timeline. It's showtime in Las Vegas. Triple header. Jared Hurd and Arizlande Lara, they try to unify the IBF and WBA 154-pound title. And in a rematch for the IBF super middleweight title, Caleb Truax takes on James DeGale. And see you at the crossroads for the IBF 154 eliminator, J-Rock Julian Williams takes on Nate Gallimore. Gabe, I cannot wait for Hurd Lara. I think it's a great matchup of styles. I know certain people hate watching Arizlande Lara. Yeah, I get it, but if you put in a certain style, it's been shown his fights are pretty entertaining. Heard is that type of guy. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people go overboard on, on Twitter about how much they hate Arizona Lara. He's not the most exciting guy in the world. I know Richard Schaefer wasn't the biggest fan of him, but, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is the guy's uh, got a title. He keeps winning. Um, you know, he's got a decent knot ratio, 20, you know, 14 KOs to 25 wins, two losses, two draws. Um, he's, you know, and then one of those draws, I think that many people felt that uh, Carlos Molina won that fight. It was kind of the blueprint to how to beat Lara, to pressure him, get him to the ropes, kind of maul him, make it rough, and not let him get into that uh, that, that rhythm, that, that kind of Cuban amateur boxing style, uh, hit and don't be hit style. Once he gets into that, it, it, it's over for a lot of guys. And uh, Alfred Angulo pushed him to the limit, but ultimately quit, uh, hurting his eye or, or claiming that he'd been thumbed. Uh, you know, but you know he blanked uh, or you know really outboxed Austin Trout. Uh, Laura did, you know, and, and many people felt that he beat Saul uh, Alvarez. Uh, he stuck it to Paul Williams. This is a guy that that can fight different ways. He can box. He can stick his nose in there. Uh, super, uh, you know, uh, experienced fighter and. You know, Jarrett Hurd on the other side is, is raw, he's rugged, he takes a good punch and keeps on coming. It's really big for the weight class, I think. Uh, this is a perfect, you know, boxer versus, I guess, you know, kind of brawler uh, fight. I, I can't wait. I, I, I kind of lean towards Lara, but uh, something, you know, I feel like most people feel it, it's Hurd's time. Uh, what do you think? After six rounds, it'll be either 4-2 or 5-1 Lara. Lara's foot speed his mobility and his legs will carry him out to an early lead. But the second half of the fight will start, and the African-American Margarita will make his way into the fight, Gabe. And I, I think he's going to wear him down with pressure, size, and volume. Yes, I am hmm. putting on my swift goggles. And maybe this is a prediction based more on my heart and my hope than my mind. But I thought for a while, Arizlande Lara, if he fought a certain type of fighter that was based upon 180 seconds of pressure every single round and had the volume to back it up, could beat Lara. Terrell Gaucher was the type of guy, he could fight him 100 rounds, and he'd win 95 of them. But as we saw against Angulo, and Gabe, that was five years ago. Think about how long ago that was. He was this close 
to really pulling what I would have called a significant major upset when he was with Virgil Hunter, but he landed that perfect punch on the orbital bone, and I don't want to say he got bailed out, but, I mean, that was a perfect punch at the most opportune time. I'm going to go with Jared Hurd to swarm him late and to win in the late rounds. Uh, you know, I, I think it'll, he'll win it on the on the judges' cards on aggression. Hurd will. Um, I, I think you know maybe Lara will be too hunt and peck. Uh, will feel that maybe he won the boxing match, but that it was Hurd who kind of carried the fight and tried trying to make action and maybe get a little more credit than than uh, some people will like. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Hurd in, in a in a close, possibly controversial decision. Uh, I, mm. I think that you know, Laura is a superior guy, but you know, you look just looking at them, one six, one and a half, seventy six inch reach, and Lara, you know, comes in at, at five nine. It's just a natural 54, uh, 74 inch reach. He's just a smaller guy, and he's going to have to risk in order to get his scoring off. And you know, it will come down to can Hurd get him on the ropes and be effective, uh, you know, keeping him in the corners and attacking him. And uh, I, I tend to think he can, but you know, you never know. It's going to be a fun fight. And Gabe, this is a situation where the day before 24-hour-plus weigh-in absolutely favors Hurd, who's bigger and mm-hmm. younger. And if they had to weigh in, and like let's say the olden days at 10 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, I would say maybe Laura's at an advantage. But th- this is why a lot of big guys are able to squeeze themselves in and not not necessarily cheat the weight, but to game the system. And I can someone tell James DeGale? Just because you get beat by Caleb Truax, you don't get to erase that by saying, well, I wasn't at my best, and you know me, I'm better. You know what? Here's the bottom line, Gabe. He wasn't better than James DeGale. Uh, Excuse me. James DeGale simply was not better than Caleb Truax on December 8th. Here's the other thing that someone needs to point out to James DeGale. Hey, Chunky, you've struggled against other guys like Porky Medina. Uh, He has the ego of Roy Jones while he's James DeGale. Now, do I think he should be the favorite in the rematch? Yes. But I, I don't ever want to hear the words elite blue chip fighter and the term and the name James DeGale ever put in the same sentence. No. I mean, and, and it's, it's, always, it's weird to me. It's like, what, what are we basing him being the favorite on? That he had the title before and then lost it in a, in a really bad performance? Uh, I don't get it. And, and just consequently, I, I was checking the uh, USADA database, and uh, Lara Hurd doesn't appear to be a tested fight. Uh, I don't think Vada has the fight either, although Hurd's in the WBC program. Uh, Lara is not because he's a WBA fighter, and I don't know where their drug testing program is. Um, but, yeah, DeGale, Chuax. I'm leaning towards Chuax. I thought he had a, the hmm. right game plan to win the first time. He executed it. Uh, DeGale's a guy who's trying to figure himself out after all this time. Um, and, you know, I, I look at that, the matchup is similar to Groves versus DeGale, where, you know, offense might be at a premium, but if you've got straight punches and you believe in your jab and your one-two, uh, that's kind of what you need against James DeGale and kind of all you need against James DeGale. So I'm going with Truax again. Also, finally, Julian Williams. I'll be honest. He was completely underwhelming against Ishe Smith, but he, I thought he gutted out the victory. Can he beat a young guy like Nate Gallimore comes in with a lot of confidence? He better be able to, or, you know, uh, I mean, then who is he if he can't? Um, 
Now, you know, to be fair, he was he was fighting a, a resurgent Ishii Smith, who at 40 was having you know one of the performances of his career. Uh, I don't think there was testing for that fight, was there? Um, but you know, in Gallimore, he, he's dealing with a guy that's a you know his alias is no problem, but I think he's going to be a problem for Julian. Uh, apparently, Julian looked very sharp. Uh, in camp, I had a really uh, terrible cold the last few weeks and wasn't able to visit his camp. I, I think it's pretty rude to show up sick to a guy's training camp. Uh, but from uh, all accounts, his sparring went great. Uh, he's using movement a little bit more. I thought his legs looked a little bit better. Uh, you know, the last training camp I, I saw him in, um, he stayed here a little bit longer, I think, than usual. Uh, so, you know, he's going to be ready. Uh, all accounts, he's in fantastic shape, but I, I think Gallimore is going to be a problem for him. I think he's, a, he's an aggressive guy, high knockout percentage, and I, I think it's fairly real, that power. Um, if Julian hasn't fixed his uppercut uh, wide opening and his uh, tendency to be flat-footed and kind of lean out over his feet a little bit too much and, and stay in one position, uh, and also his problem of kind of thinking too much in fights, I just see the wheels turning instead of the punches flowing. Uh, Gallimore could be a problem for him. He could lose this fight. All right, three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. If you want to call in, but let's get to the Twitter timeline. Of course, we start off with the president Andrew V Kennedy, who says there was a mixed reaction to Deontay Wilder saying, "quote He wants a body," which is another way of saying killing a man. Should people not get so upset by it, or did he cross the line? Seems like he just says things sometimes that come out the wrong way. After all, Tyson and others have said similar. Uh, first of all, Gabe, I've seen that Breakfast Club thing. He meant what he said. He wants a body. And then Charlemagne the God, the conscience one, started giggling and laughing. In his defense, do I think he really wants to murder someone in the ring? No. But here's my theory. A, he wants to make headlines because he feels like, wait a minute, why, why is this British guy uh, more popular than I am? Why is he the A-side, not me? So he feels like, hey, i got to promote myself. i got to be outrageous. I need the headlines. And B... He's on a show where he thinks, yeah, I'm going to up my street cred, and maybe this is what they want to hear, and so people can say, yo, whoa, look at this guy. That's what I think. I think he was I pandering to that audience. I didn't, I didn't, think, I didn't think that. Um, and Charlamagne de God laughed, but I, I took it as a kind of a nervous laugh, and he said, you're you going to try to be Drago, but then both him and the other hosts were kind of like, you don't really mean that, right? And they got into, I listened to the whole hour, they got into, it was a pretty long conversation, and he he, what's interesting to me is that everybody's jumping on this now. He said the exact same thing in November to Radio Rahim, and it was literally the title of the video, I Want a Body. Uh, and he was talking about Jermaine Stavern, uh, Stavern, r- 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 rather, and Stavern, rather, and saying he, he basically talked about it there, and he talked about it in this interview, that he was referring to when he puts the mask on and goes into his fighter mode, he calls the bronze bomber, which I think everybody has that kind of mentality when they go in. They're, they're just a different person. People Trinidad, after he touches gloves with you, is not the guy in the press conference that's smiling at you. Uh, that's what I took it as, is that that was a mentality. He even said, as Deontay, myself, outside of the ring, I would feel bad. But in the ring, I don't give a shit. And I, I just think people are, are way too overreactive about it. And, and the whole interview is actually a pretty damn good interview. I, uh, I, I found him interesting and and kind of thoughtful and, and has some, you know, is he the most educated guy in the world? No, if he was, he wouldn't be taking punches for a living. You know, uh, I just think, you know, like uh, even pointed out like, you know, he, he did the March of for lives thing and supported that. And that somehow ruined his message, but you know, Muhammad Ali tortured Ernie Terrell, damaged his eye. And that was a friend, ex roommate of his uh, and, and shouted, what's my name at him for calling him the wrong name. But nobody dogged Ali or thought, 
Well, how oh, yes, they did. Uh, well, yeah, but those also the Dave, people that he used took the N-word. Shit, not Dave, he took a lot of shit for that. He did take shit for it, but do we doubt that he a was A lot also, of shit. Let me finish a my sentence. A lot of shit. Let me finish my sentence. Did, he, did we think he was disingenuous for being uh, you know, a conscientious objector for the Vietnam War? No. No, not at all. Because the March for Lives isn't about beating people to death. It's about anti-gun violence and gun control. I, I thought conflating those two things was... Uh, I don't know. It was confused. I, I you're, you can have one view. I, I think he was playing to that audience who like yo, audience, you want that, that smoke? The radio? Oh, well, listen. I, I do you think he would have said that to Colin Coward or Jim Rome if he was on that show? Really, I don't know. I think they'd be. Well, I don't know. I try not to listen to Colin Coward because I think he's an idiot, and I think Jim Rome would just be kissing his ass and, and maybe even talking. Oh yeah, dog. I hear you, dog. Sure. You know, give me some sugar. That guy. You know. I mean, That's a long show. They don't really do that on that show. He has a glossary. He doesn't really do that. You've never heard Jim Rome kiss ass and, and, and try to talk like Oh, he does that, but he doesn't do that whole – he doesn't He doesn't do that whole – he doesn't do that whole – he has a glossary, but he doesn't really do that. I think if people are offended by what Deontay Wilder said, they should probably take a look around at the sport and shut the fuck up. There's so many I, things. I, listen, here's what I think. I, I don't think Deontay's all that smart, which is fine. I, I know what I'm covering. Um, I, I do think there's an inter- interesting – I don't think – I don't think there's – I think it's a very interesting juxtaposition when you try to say, hey, I'm, I, I, let's march for our lives. Every life matters. Oh, yeah, I want to kill a guy, which is fine. I, I, I think to me you should get a passport because this is boxing. The very nature of the sport is very vicious and brutal. I, I don't actually think he wants to catch a body based on the fact, uh, in talking to guys like Ray Mancini and uh, Gabriel Wallace, this, this haunts you. It really ruins your career. It actually but in this very show, We've talked about how Sergei Kovalev doesn't seem to be bothered at all by it. And people are okay. like, oh, he's kind of a badass. Well, like, and he gets and by the way, Sergei, uh, he's, white. he's a different guy. I, but maybe he's the anomaly. Uh, but, you know... I just I, – I do find it interesting. We got to understand, Deontay Wilder is not Muhammad Ali, so I don't expect much from him. And I wasn't particularly offended. I just thought it was kind of funny. You're like, oh, God, really? Did you really have to say that? Well, I, I thought mean, it was I wasn't... that Suleiman gave less support to Deontay Wilder for making a comment than a guy that tested positive twice. Right. I, I mean, that stuff is maddening. But, oh. I, I, but in my view – Deontay Wilder is trying to cause headlines. He's trying to like say, hey, listen, I'm here also. Uh, I may not sell out football stadiums, but I am the heavyweight champion of the world. And you know what? He got on TMZ. Mission accomplished. When you look at the views on that video, now there's, a, I guess, some kid named 6ix9ine that was on there. He's got like, out of all of them, he's their biggest guy. He did like 2 million views on two of his videos. But all the other ones are like 100,000 views, maybe 50,000 views. Deontay as of last night, did 800,000 views. Right. And I can't think so that they all just going, let me hear this interesting interview. <laughs> right. I mean, let's give him a little credit. If you say he's such this calculating, intelligent guy, maybe he said, you know what? If I give the answer, nah, 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 we are all sportsmen here. We are never trying to hurt each other, and we just want to shake hands. He, I, he, how many views was that going to get? Well, and I, I, don't think, I don't think it's as calculated just because even Raheem stopped him and went, Wait a minute. Now, this is a sport. You don't really mean that. And Raheem, I don't think you'd be, you know, he's also black. 
but you wouldn't be looking at him and going, I'm going to pander to this audience because, you know, generally wearing a, a three-piece suit. Uh, and, 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 and Deontay was like, no, let me explain to you. This is boxing. This is us, you know, going at it. Uh, we're, we're not in the business of, of, you know, tickling each other. I'm trying to hurt that other guy. And I, I think it's just weird when, when people got so upset when at the same time they'll boo if guys aren't throwing enough or, or people get excited about Ryan Garcia beating up a midget or even Vasil Lomachenko beating up an old midget Cuban. Uh, and that, that elevates him to pound for pound. Uh, it's selective outrage, or as you call it, virtue signaling from people getting outraged by this. There's so yeah, much more to be worried about. But Gabe, wanting a good fight does not equal let's have someone dead. <laughs> I mean, also, you, you, we can't fall within a reasonable uh, middle ground there, don't we? Well, we always say this is the hurt business, and in the professional game, it's about damaging the other guy. Right, but we've never said it's the kill business. We've never said it's a. I've, I've always said it's not a blood sport. Oh, I don't know. You know, I mean, people call themselves bloodthirsty ghouls and savages, and and watch mismatches and love knockouts. Uh, I think people are fooling themselves. And, you know, also the March of Lives, there was a lot of veterans there. I think people that uh, experience violence uh, should speak about uh, on, on issues like that because they, they know what they're talking about. Uh, I don't know. I just wasn't that bothered by it. I, I think it was yeah, but you're talking about part. veterans. We're not talking about a prize fighter who's never seen a battlefield, okay? <laughs> yeah, but he might have grown up in a neighborhood where most a lot of like inner city and poorer areas. I grew up, I've had a two guns pulled on me in my life growing up like that. So, yeah, and, it's, and the thing is about gun violence and about gun control and getting guns off the street. So maybe he has had that experience if he grew up in a I neighborhood mean, worrying about getting shot every day. Like, I think Wilder is actually somewhat pretty good for boxing, but... I mean, the, some of the stuff he says, like, hey, hey, Anthony Joshua, get rid of that Nigerian tattoo or that flag. And someone pointed out to me, um, hey, 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 D, Joshua's parents are from Nigeria. That's the kind of me. It's like, he ain't 5 beta Kappa, man. That's my point. And there's enough evidence to say, let's not take this too seriously. That's my point. But I do think that he, there's a part of him that says, mm, you know, I can get some headlines here because that's what he needs to do. Anyway, uh, here's a tweet from Tan. Uh, with fighters putting their names in the running for May 5th, has free agent Mikey Garcia put his name in the running as well to fight Gennady Golovkin? <laughs> Maybe that's what Wilder's press conference is about. He's like, look, <laughs> I'm moving down to 160. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know. I would not watch that fight. Who, what is the absolute least you Well, that's at? a joke. Well, that, that is a joke, but it, it is interesting that all these fi fighters now, and the latest one who had his hat in the mix is <laughs> Gilberto Ramirez, who I don't think is moving down to 160. I mean, even yesterday, there's a headline that, oh, Julio Cesar Chavez raises his hand to fight Golovkin. Yeah, you mean the guy that's probably 200 pounds right now and is rumored to be in rehab? Is he really in the running to fight in four weeks, Gabe? <laughs> Can I Golovkin? Jeez. Yeah. Well, that and like, you know, you know, I know that uh, Andrade is like, I'm, I'm here and I'm ready. But it's like, that's kind of not fair to Gennady. That's a legitimate guy. And, you know, just because you need the last minute opponent doesn't mean he's going to take the, the toughest test out there. At this point, it's about preserving his, his millions. Well, here's, here's, here's the reality. May 5th is a tune-up, and it's about protecting the rematch. People don't have to like it. They don't have to support it. But they better accept that reality, because that, that's basically it. Here's one from KJ. Steve, have you heard any rumors on what, who, what or who is supposed to be on the Golovkin versus Canelo undercard 
Well, I, I don't know if there's going to be an undercard to be had anymore, but I was told that Ryan Garcia was going to have a step-up fight. Chocolatito was in the running, was in the mix. There was also rumors about uh, who's that tall 122-pound champion from Mexico that Golden Boys used a few times. Um, pretty good fighter. But he was supposed to fight maybe Azad Hobanessian. But again, mm. the fact that Golden Boy has not announced anything as of last week Gabe, we're not Sherlock Holmes, but you could kind of figure out that, hmm, this, this, this may not happen here. There's a tweet yeah. from DJ Macadocia. Steve, will Hurd have to do his best impersonation of Flojo to catch up to Laura? Smells like a track meet. Hashtag stink up the joint. Gabe, I, I don't know if Laura has the legs anymore to move around like he once did. I mean, I think the movement's going to have to be judicious, and it can't be wasted movement. Yeah, that, that's for sure. And he can't live on the ropes for too long, you know. I mean, I don't think he's – there's been total erosion, like, you know, the, the Gaucher fight, you know. Uh, he, he, he only knocked down the younger man, um, you know. But look at the last two opponents, you know, uh, Yuri Foreman and, and Gaucher. It's, it's kind of hard to tell what he's got from those, you know. Um, but, you know, he, he nearly – you know, the, 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 the Vana smart erosion fight, uh, that was a pretty clear win. I mean, I haven't seen a ton of erosion from Lara, but, you know, he's only fighting twice a year as well. So it's going to be a tough fight. I, I don't think, you know, it's on her to, to learn from those other guys, from Molina and from Angulo, how to cut the distance, how to take tiny steps to cut off the ring and, and, and get him in there and make him pay. Otherwise, yeah, you know, Gabe, it's going to be a long night. Even when he's losing rounds early, which I – anticipate happening he still has to work his way where he's doing some sort of damage there has to be some sort of residual effect in the seventh and eighth round from what he was doing in the third and fourth rounds while he may not be winning those innings here's one from juan valverde so should triple g take a tune-up fight or risk it against a tough guy like derivachenko reminds me of lennox lewis taking the klitschko on short notice i'm going to say it again I believe everyone is under the assumption May 5th is off the books. It's going to be a six-month suspension. I don't think anyone involved with Golden Boy or with Loeffler and K2 and Triple G Promotions wants a tough fight on May 5th. And finally, from Easy Ed from the U.K., Anthony Joshua is maturing his style under McCracken, specifically control of distance, defense, and hand positioning, and feet to step out of range. Pre-Klitschko, I'd favor Wilder, but he's had a lot of seasoning in 33 rounds since. AJ's very sneaky left hook, not his right hand, will win versus Wilder. Ed, you have been heard from. Gabe, let's get to the phone lines. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That left hook is uh, going to be a problem for uh, Mr. Wilder. Let's get somebody on that we haven't been trying to get on for a few weeks. Uh, 438, Tommy G, are you yep, there? hello. You're live on the hello? next round. Hello, can you hear Hello. me? Hello. Yes. yes, we can. Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, um, yeah, I, I wanted to um, get some clarification. And uh, I was wondering how uh, uh, Alvarez, uh, the guy who fights uh, the mandatory to uh, Adonis Stevenson, how is the guy uh, a mandatory if he lost the purse bid to uh, Gavazdek? I don't think he is the mandatory. I, I think he's been stepped aside of that. I, my understanding is, and what the WBC has ruled officially, is that Gavastic, by beating Memi, uh, Mehdi Amar, 
now gets the winner of Badu Jack Stevenson, which, by the way, guys, I'm hearing all over the place is not actually signed, which is interesting given the fact we're six weeks away from that fight. Yeah, and there's actually been no press conference for that fight. And there's, and I live in Montreal, and there's not much local media coverage for that right now. Hmm. And by the way, Gabe, there's no venue for that fight either. Nope. Uh, sounds like there's no fight. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, there's a there was a local report uh, here in Montreal that uh, Stevenson wants to fight in Toronto. Yeah. For some reason. Well, this is what I've been told. The fight has to be in Canada because some of the legal issues we all know and are very well aware of with. Adonis Stevenson, and again, I, we're not here to adjudicate it. We don't want to make a moral issue out of it. He's allowed to fight, but he's not allowed to come to this country. But Badu Jack and Mayweather Promotions believes that in Montreal is simply too much of an advantage for Badu Jack. But then I would argue, last I checked, guys, this ain't Lucien Butte we're talking about here. Yeah. Actually, Almost everybody in Montreal wants Badu Jack to beat Stevenson. That's how much he's hated here. Hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Is it because of his of his past or what? Uh, not so much that. It's just his, his uh, opponent. Simple as that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it feels like he's holding up the title, doesn't it? I mean, and not yeah, with yeah. anything good. And they wanted him to fight Jean Pascal, but that guy's retired and. I don't know. He's just not liked here at all. Well, I think his past has a lot to do with it. Let, let's face it. It's one thing if a guy commits a crime against property. Let's say he was stealing stuff or he was doing graffiti on a subway. Okay. Or parking tickets or he was driving too fast. But the stuff he was doing was against other human beings. He was basically trafficking young girls against their will. That's a, you know, on, on the scale of 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 heinous crimes, that's pretty high. It's it's very unsavory. But again, I also believe the way he's handled his title run, uh, starting in 2014, that has certainly not helped his case. Yeah, I mean, how does he get away with not fighting a mandatory since 2013? It's crazy. Uh, ask Suleiman. <laughs> that's a, that's another WBC issue. Anyways, that's my call. All right, thank you very much. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, I'm sure Mauricio has every confidence in Adonis Stevenson. Six one nine. You're live on the next round. Six one nine. Hey guys. Hey, what's up, Juan in San Diego? Hey. Yeah, Juan from Chula Vista. How's it going? Juan, talk to us. Couple things. So number one. The strict liability thing, I mean, is it's in the word, right? Strict. So I don't know how they can get around it. Um, so I, I fully expect them to to just call off the fight. Now, that being said, is there an argument to be made that he got popped February 20th and that there's there would be no real performance enhancement from some butyrol being in your system February 20th for a May 5th fight? Um, you know, so, some drugs, it doesn't matter if you get popped out of competition, which is what this testing would be considered. Uh, you know, in competition is like 12 hours starting before the event to the event. Um, but computer oil is not one of those drugs. Like he could get popped for uh, 
a drug like like I always thought and I never confirmed this if that this is why uh, Brandon Rios was mad that they got caught in an event with uh, with, with the that the that stimulant that they got popped for uh, and they were like we took this all through training camp and, and we were testing and it, nothing happened it's because stimulants in competition uh, or, or out of competition in the training camp you can use them you just can't use it in the event. Uh, with Conduterol, though, in competition, out of competition, there's no allowance for it. Got it. Juan, yeah. as a Mexican who is a hardcore boxing fan, does this – it's an obvious question. So let me phrase it like this. How does this change your perception of Canelo and maybe you supporting him in the future moving forward? I mean, it makes it difficult, as I think you know enough of us, uh, to, to know that, like, if he fights – Somebody else will still kind of root for him. We don't, we don't, we won't want to see him lose. Um, but it was like it's going to be one of those where we kind of are going to assume that he's been dirty. Um, we might support him anyway, um, but you know, some of us won't. I don't think because some of us are like, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a shameful thing that he got caught like that, right? Hearing you guys earlier, and you guys have a point. You don't know if it's really from that but your suspicion is such. And so, yeah, I mean, we're always going to support him, I think, one way or the other as a whole, some of us more than others. Yeah, here's the thing. Go ahead, If he does a year of testing, I was going to ask you this earlier, um, but it dovetails nice with your question. If Canelo enters a drug testing program or continues one, because he's, he's still in one right now, all the way through a year, and he doesn't test positive, and he beats Golovkin, is that enough? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess probably, but then again, you know, it'll be the well, Golovkin's a year older, right? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of questions about there's going to be a lot of questions about um, whether or not he beat or he he fought Gennady there the first time, and if Gennady beat him, because I I think uh, Gennady won that fight, um, you know, seven five. If Gennady beat him, and Canelo was Clenbuterol all doubt, then my guess is, you know, he wouldn't have beat him without that. I mean, if, if that's the case, and it's kind of one of those things that we'll never know. It'll be hard to prove either way. Juan, I think you were the guy who put a comment on one of my stories recently. Uh, is Canelo taking a lot of heat from the Spanish-Mexican press over Ton. this? Okay. Ton. See, that, that's and interesting. A lot, of it has, a lot of it has to do with I mean, you know, any, any, any scandal, right? Get out in front of it early, apologize, 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 and people will kind of just, all right, you know, politicians learn to do that really early, right? Um, and I think his, he's been called a diva. He's been called a prima donna. He's being called, you know, like he's not, he doesn't have any respect for, for fans because he's not coming out and saying anything. Um, yeah, he's getting, he's getting roasted because of that, because it's like, you know, look at the guy. Has, he brought it on himself, and he still manages to have, kind of a, an entitled attitude. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Juan, anything else we could do for you? Guys, do we get to April 18th? My money is on. We don't even get to April 18th. No, uh, I, uh, my, my intuition uh-huh, says no. Yeah, intuition. The fact okay. that Tom Loeffler uh, is coming out now saying, hey, make your plans for May 5th for Gennady versus TBA. Um, again, the graffiti is on the subway car. Yeah, I mean, we get a good, we get a fight May 5th, and it's fine. It says enough can fight. Those of us that are hardcore always want to see them fight. 
But, uh, you know, it obviously takes the shine off uh, whomever he fights. I don't know. Is, is, is that Jaime Munguia guy still? I heard that he's No, he's not. I, 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 to- I was told over the weekend that they thought better of it. The issue yeah. is he's really young. And he's a 54-pounder, so I, I, didn't, I didn't like that for Jaime Munguia, to be honest with you. I was going to say, his candlers must not think highly of his, of his future prospects if they're like, you know, let's just cash out now while you're like, you know, at 154 pounds. Not, not, not a, I think he was like top, he was ranked sixth or something by the WBC yeah. or fifth or sixth. Yeah. He, he, so, okay, listen, yeah. I think he's a fun fighter, but there needs to be a lot of spit and polish with Munguia. Juan, thank you for the call. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? Yeah, you know, it's just not the same world, right? That that Canelo's entering April eighteenth. This is a much smarter uh boxing world. It's also you know, a commission that's been through some some ups and downs from judging to that Mayweather I V thing. You know, in in the list of, of anti doping changes that Nevada made in twenty sixteen, um it's interesting that uh, the, the the added one clarifying that therapeutic use exemption process, including confirming that TUIs cannot be granted retroactively after a bout took place. Uh, so things have changed over there. Huh? Uh, what about yeah. that about, Gabe? I don't know. That? Huh? Anyway, yeah. Anyway, next call. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, oh, Joe. You're live on the next round. <laughs> We're assholes. Jeez. We really, <laughs> really such really are. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, 480, would you like to hate along with us on the next round? 480. Dave, can you hear me? Yes, what's yes. going on? Hey, what's going on, fellas? It's Brandon from Phoenix. How you guys doing this afternoon? Good, what's going what's on? on? Nothing much, man. Well, let's start off with the big fight from last weekend. Um, it was, you know, it, it was what it was. It wasn't the greatest fight, but um, I did like the fact that Joshua stayed behind the jab. I would like to see him make a little bit more of an adjustment with that uppercut he kept trying to throw. If maybe if he would have uh, brought it down to the body or something like that would have been what I would have liked to see from him. Um, but, you know, Parker Parker's kind of a rare heavyweight in this era because I don't think there's anybody else who quite has the hand speed and the, um, uh, I don't know if you would say maybe the, uh, he's athletic a lot more polished than Wilder. Yeah, or I, Brandon. I think, I think Wilder's more athletic. Brandon, Parker, the problem... He's not polished. With throwing the uppercut, if you're Joshua against Parker, that means you're throwing it against a shorter fighter, and then in essence, you have to give up your distance and space. And Joshua may have thought, you know what, if I stand out here at a distance, at an arm's length, I might be boring the hell out of myself and this audience, but I'm safe here. When you uppercut, you kind of got to be in that area where, ooh, there, things are a little bit hot and heavy there. That's true, but he threw the uppercut a couple times is what I'm saying. And what at, and he made good attempts, and there wasn't like Parker tried to counter back when he threw it. You know, he was able to kind of smother him after he threw it and missed because he kind of threw it from a little bit closer inside. So all I'm saying is that I would have liked to see him maybe drop it down to the body or just maybe work off the jab to start some other offense is really what I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I but, think just styles make fights. You know, but, he had a cagey guy. Uh, I think he just didn't want to didn't want to expend too much energy and, and risk too much getting in there. What do you think about Steve's observation that maybe he got Rosario'd by Klitschko? Uh, uh, you know what? Maybe, but it's it's the heavyweight division. I think those things are going to happen. I mean, he had good win the whole fight, but Parker's a little bit like I said. Parker is a lot quicker than a lot of these other guys, so I think you know probably worried being worried about getting countered 
would probably be my main concern if I was him. But that that could be it. He could have been playing a little bit more safety. But, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? So I think maybe he was a little bit more safety. Maybe he didn't feel like he was down in the fight, and he really had to put it on him, too. That could have been the other thing. Or he just felt comfortable coasting because Parker really didn't land anything um, really clean on him the whole night. I mean, Steve, I think I read your observation on Twitter about how basically Park, anybody who thought Parker was doing anything was giving him credit for punching him, punching his gloves. Yeah, I really just did. I couldn't believe it when people said, oh, these last two rounds, uh, boy. Fight. And I'm just like, no, no, get the last two rounds over with. I want to watch the final four. I, I never thought yeah. for one second <laughs> after round five that fight was ever in doubt. And to me, the Showtime crew was a little bad this time. Normally, I like the Showtime crew, but to me, they just messed up a lot with talking about what wasn't happening in the fight versus what was happening in the fight. And they were calling a lot of punches for Parker that really didn't land, even on the replays. Bernstein does it all the time, though, where he says something, and then you look at the replay and nothing lands. But, mm. uh, anyway, yeah. that's my main observation on that fight. Right. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to touch on what you guys were talking about with Deontay Wilder in the Breakfast Club interview. He said that catch-a-body comment, you know, with Radio Raheem, but he's also said it another time on another big boxing podcast. So, to me, it's something that he just says. I don't think he was necessarily playing to the crowd, but I would say it more as, like, when I'm around, you know, certain people, I won't curse, but when I'm around my close friends and stuff like that, I'll curse a lot more and say different things. I'm not playing to the crowd, but I'm more comfortable, you know, around that certain that type of crowd of people. Is what I was saying. I think he definitely means it, and I, and he knows exactly what the Breakfast Club is. I mean, it's the biggest urban radio platform that there is right now, gone, and it's been that way for quite a long time now, for at least the last eight years, I'd probably say. So that interview is a big deal. Yes. All right, Brandon. Thank you for the call. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, quick question before we move on. Have you stopped giving any dams about Keith Thurman in that career? <laughs> Don't say Wilder wants a body. Keith would settle for a hand. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, I mean you know fighters fight right and uh, like Keith you said, Thurman doesn't. Next, yeah, he doesn't. Uh, it, what is there to care about? You know, not only is he looking for a soft touch, now he's just looking for some time off, a deep bruise. Don't tell me if it's a deep bruise. And the fight's far away, and you don't have an opponent. Fight through that shit. Something. I just, you know, I, I just all the excuses that are given. Oh, he's had a wedding, and this, you know, the sun went up, and then it came down, and the weather changed. I mean, just let me know when your next fight is, and, and please fight somebody worthwhile. Uh, this is ridiculous. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? I am a bloodthirsty ghoul. Uh, three one nine, you're live on the next round. Three one nine. Hey, it's Dub Dub. Actually, I was just listening in, gentlemen. All right, thank All you right. very much. All right. Um, All right. Let's go. Eight one six, you're live on the next round. Good evening, fellas. <laughs> it's uh, Brandon Stubbs. Stubbs, what's hey. going on? Oh, man, nothing much, fellas. Uh, you know, belated happy Easter to both you gentlemen and all the fine listeners. Um, now, I'm just going to say I was not impressed uh, by uh, Anthony Joshua on Saturday. And honestly, I'm, I'm starting to lose interest in him fighting Wilder uh, at this point. You know, it's two back-to-back what? fights. Really? <laughs> yeah. Let me say this. It's two back-to-back fights for Joshua that seem kind of meh to where his performances weren't the greatest. Now, I will say this, especially with the Parker fight, 
Parker was more of a uh, suitable opponent compared to Carlos uh, Tanamek. Uh, he fought oh, here last year. Who's a late, yeah, Takam, who was a late replacement. So I, I get it. You're going to struggle against a late replacement. But, you know, if he's supposed to be the best heavyweight there is in the world, uh, you're going to do more damage to your opponent. Uh, you're going to do something significant to have us all, all like, oh, okay, this is the guy. And he hasn't really done it the last couple of fights. I mean, it seems like he's maybe – I don't want to say he's reached his epics or his um, – you know, his, Apex, yeah. Apex. God, I can't talk this much. But, Brandon, Brandon, do we forget Lennox Lewis struggling against Zelko Mavrovich and other guys? I've always said with heavyweights, there's revisionist history that it's not until about five, six, seven years after they retire that we start really appreciating what they are. I mean, Anthony Joshua in 21 fights has – Three major title belts, as unified a belt, is the biggest star in the world. I, it's, I think it's really hard to complain about this career, and I'm not saying he's a perfect fighter. What I'm saying, though, is that he has accomplished a hell of a lot, and the last three fights, they have not necessarily all been exciting. He has gained valuable experience. And, Steve, I mean, like, it's kind of funny. It was like the last time I got my wife to sit down and watch a heavyweight boxing match was uh, Lennox Lewis versus David Tua. Uh, and I was like, God, I hope this British fight again, you know, British guy fighting a Samoan isn't like the last time. And uh, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was. Pretty boring, actually, <laughs> complete with the shirtless dancers. Yeah. I mean, I, I called it, you know, going into the weekend that price versus Pavek can be the best fight of the weekend. And I didn't know I was going to be dead right on that, but that fight was actually fun to watch. Uh, unfortunately for uh, David price, his chin gave in out of him again. I don't think he really will need to ever fight again, at least, you know, anybody in a top to elite level in heavyweight division. But I thought that was a hell of a fight. It would be interesting to see uh, what Pavekin does next and if he can actually pass a drug test, um, how that will work, if he can get in the title hunt picture. But, uh, you know, for me right now, Wilder and Joshua, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to cry. Um, I'm not, I don't know, man. I guess I'm a very on the minority of that and thinking that it's just the sizzle has kind of went out away from me. Not to mention Waters in it. I kind of heard him talk. <laughs> Do you, Brandon? Why? I mean, he's from Alabama, so I mean, there's that. So oh, you're come on. working against him. Come on. You're not roll tide? No, no. Uh, anti Nick Saban, anti anything Alabama. And I mean, what he says in his interviews doesn't really help out, uh, you know, that um, perception that he lets off. You know, if you're the heavyweight champion of the world, you want attention, you want people to like you, you want to be the number one guy division saying on radio that you want to catch a body, whether it's urban radio, when you're trying to play to an audience or not. Like, certain like a minute of a like 62 minute interview or 60 minute plus interview. It was, I, I don't know if you listened to the whole interview. It's actually pretty well, well, good. I don't know if you've ever well, interviewed yeah, him. I've interviewed him. He's well, actually pretty good also, if you give him good questions. What also gave you have to look at, look at something as well. Uh, when they showed the clip of him talking on Showtime prior to the broadcast of the Joshua Parker fight, He's sitting there in a black jacket that has blue chronic leaps on it. I don't think so? a lot of people probably didn't catch that. But he, I'm, like, I'm thinking, you know, again, a certain perception you want to let off. You know, are you the heavyweight champion of the world? Do you want to be taken uh, seriously as a professional? Or are you a rapper? Right? What do you do? You, you're you talking about catching what, what, bodies. You got I don't, I don't understand you from on. the pot leaves to a rapper. I, I smoke weed. You know, I mean, I think, I think the people that, that look down on, on weed leaves need to alter their perception, not the rest of us. The world's catching up to us, actually. It's now legal. <laughs> it's still illegal, though, if you're, a, if you're a professional athlete. So, 
that you know that depending on the state that you I mean I guess if you're following federal law yeah but uh, it's state laws it, it, it's legal in uh, more than half the states now and most positions are trying to advice. say the drug war is an absolute sham and that weed shouldn't be legal at all I, I don't I don't agree with that at all I think you need to alter your perception and, and since when did the heavyweight champion of the world uh, a moral arbiter? I mean, Ali made it that, but it was never really that. Well, true, but it, but then and again, you don't see the other heavyweights that we've had had in this era, minus Mike Tyson, post-jail and prior to going to jail, be bucking like this and be taken seriously. Again, he wants to be the conqueror of all, but he doesn't have the perception of being professional. I just can't – fighters like that I just can't take serious. Guys like him – there's others like well, wait a minute, but Brandon, to be fair, isn't Deontay that proverbial car wreck that when he fights, it's fun, it's entertaining, it's hard to keep your eyes off of him. As he's not as he everybody is. he's oh, yeah. faced. And he's also, you know, back, I was thinking about this today. When Margarito was trying to fight Floyd, everybody was denigrating him, and guys like me and Steve were holding him up because he defended the WBO title like eight times. Now, Wilder has held the title for a very long time. I mean, the guy that won all the titles and the reason that Joshua even has a title, Tyson Fury, didn't even defend it. He just fell all apart, couldn't handle his drugs. Now, cocaine, there's a whole other thing. Uh, I don't find that particularly cool, uh, though I have partaken at times, and I don't think if you have, it makes you an awful human being. Uh, I'm just completely anti the drug war. You're not going to win that argument with me. But uh, Tyson Fury didn't <laughs> Wilder has held on to the title, which is not an easy thing to do. And he's knocked out everybody he's ever faced, including the only guy to take him a decision. Uh, I mean, I don't understand how you could not call him a professional. That's not easy to do. No, he's professional in-ring. I'm just saying out-ring. There's a lot of fighters who are great in-ring, who are very professional in-ring and conduct themselves in an appropriate manner, making weight, uh, fighting and fighting well, and not making the fans feel cheated. I'm saying outside. And those sometimes can be two different realms. So I mean, hmm. it's it, it's it's kind of two two sides of the of the coin there. You know, it's your what you do on a like you know for football. Well, Brandon, let me ask you this very Sunday, blunt question do. then, because Brandon, mm-hmm. I, based on your avatar, and I'm, I'm assuming that's your picture. You are African American, right? That is correct. Okay, <laughs> is there a part? I say I didn't want to assume anything. Okay, but is there a part of you that thinks that Wilder? Perpetuate certain negative negative stereotypes then of the African American male or 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 athletes or people in that position. Is there uh, any party yes, that feels yes. that way? Okay, that's yes, that's what I'm getting at. Okay, yeah, it, it, it's kind of one of those things. Is like you know sometimes don't always feed into that stereotype because we already get painted in that light enough as is uh, by people who just walk around day to day who don't have any sort of celebrity status. Uh, I think sometimes we have to be, as a people, as I'm saying, black people, we have to be mindful of what we say on certain public forums uh, and when we get on certain platforms to not feed into that so much. You know, whether that's you or not, whether that's truly who you are, you know, don't always want to paint that perception because some people look at that and say we're all like that off of what, you know, one person may say. So, you know, I'm a little Mm. bit more skewed why that, that's why I feel that way, but I listened to that whole interview. I don't know if you've listened to the whole interview, but he talked about why they asked him, how did you get into boxing? Because they're not, I think their big crime is they're not, and it's not a crime. They're not really the biggest, most prolific boxing fans. So they, they didn't really know his story. And this is a guy that turned pro because his daughter has spina bifida. And that was the only yeah. way to make money. Like, and that was also in the interview. 
how about that the media focuses on the worst part of what a black man says as opposed to the best parts? I mean, he is the American dream. He's what boxing's all about. He literally fought for everything that he has out of the worst possible situation, being a poor guy from Alabama, one of the, you know, one of the poorer states and a, a state with a deep history of racism. He fought his way out of that and is now the American heavyweight champion of the world. I don't understand why you're not celebrating him, but instead focusing on the negative parts. It's just nothing that I, I, again, it's just, you have to understand as from our perception as a people, that's what always gets harped on. So we want to make sure we limit as much of that as possible because what's going to become a headline saying, I want to catch a body. That's instead of saying, you know, I want to uplift my community. Like that's, you have to understand when you speak things out, you got to be careful. You also talked about the March for Our Lives, and I don't see anybody doing interviews or or articles or videos about that. Like, again, about the weed thing, maybe it's up to us to alter our perception of the world and what we focus on. Right, but Gabe, I would argue if you're going to be that guy that's going to advocate for March for Our Lives, which is very admirable, then don't say you want to catch a body. Exactly. Exactly. It's not congruous with one another. In any in, in any standard, in my view, context it's not matters. Congruous. And he knocks people out for a living, and he was talking in the context of that. Yeah, but still, like you know, you know how serious that is of someone getting seriously hurt in the boxing ring. And I know all fighters know what they're getting into when they get in a ring. You know that that's completely understandable. But it's still a comment that you don't you don't speak that to an existence that you know because that could happen, and then what happens? I don't think people are picking and choosing. You're worried about perception, but we were just talking about David Price versus uh, multiple PED offender, not currently in a drug program, Povetkin, and David Price, who's got his brain scrambled. And I didn't see any outrage about those real world in the sport problems. Oh no, that that's a problem because they weren't tested there, and that's a question the promoter needs to ask. You need to ask that to the promoter. Why wouldn't we under sanctioning bodies? Why was there no drug testing for those guys, especially Povetkin? Uh, for this fight against Price. And for Price, uh, unfortunately, it's one of those things, if he gets medically cleared, no one can really stop him per se because he's going to be able to try to find a fight somewhere if they promote allows him. So, <laughs> well, hold on. If I mean, he's allowed he's to fight... Roy Jones Jr. still fighting. No, I agree, but Brandon, if he's allowed to fight after this weekend, whoever oh, is should. responsible for that card should be charged with attempted manslaughter. That he is, uh, that's insane. He's yeah. the embodiment of that Margaret Goodman quote. If he's passing the tests, he's taking the wrong tests. Exactly. Yeah. I, I agree. Brandon, we got to get running, okay? Absolutely, man. Take it easy, fellas. All Take right, stuff, that man. is Brandon Stubbs, always a very good caller. Uh, 347-215-7598. Gabe, breaking news. I tweeted this earlier, and it's been confirmed by Oscar De La Hoya on Twitter. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. Manny Pacquiao will be taking on Lucas Matisse from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. It's done. Sign April 15th, up. April 14th in America. Are you going to Malaysia? <laughs> no, I'll be watching. <laughs> I actually think, I don't know what I'll be doing, but you know what? I like the fight, though, Gabe. I don't care if it's on Mars, Malaysia, or Montana. Guys at the tail end of their careers, both have been exciting. I think... This is kind of a good fight in terms of matchup, trajectory of career, age, and style. Sign me up. As, as they would say on Twitter, washed fighters, lovers delight. You know, it's just uh... <laughs> <They're> completely <laughs> washed. But if they were a steak, they'd be a very well done at this point, yes. <laughs> yes, but would they be tainted? Uh, I'm in Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> <handling this. laughs> 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I'm all over that fight. I think styles make fights. This is an action fight on paper, uh, fight of the year on paper. Uh, it's, I, I don't even know who to pick in this one. I, I lean towards, strangely enough, Pacquiao. Mm, interesting. Now the question is, who will train Manny? That's the mm. big question. Yeah. Uh, Boo Boy? <laughs> I think, like uh, I said, the big question is, who will train Manny? Yeah, maybe you can get Alex Ariza in there. Uh, let's head back to the phone lines. Uh, 917, you're live on the next round. 917? Hello? See you, Dave. Hey, what's, yes, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Please. Go ahead, talk to us. How's it going? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I actually just got on the line like maybe about 10 minutes ago. And coincidentally, you know, I wanted to call in just because I wanted to get it off my chest. And it was what you guys were just talking about with the last caller. Um, uh, real quick, the, uh, Deontay, what he said, he was on the breakfast club talking about catching the body. I'm sorry, but there, there's no excuse for that. That's just some ridiculous, pitiful, I, I'm like disgusted with him. And I never liked Deontay Wilder to begin with. Like, hmm. Okay, well, like hold, a, hold on. Why didn't you like Deontay Wilder to begin with? <laughs> I, I was just about to say that because he looks like a, best way I could describe it is a drunken baby giraffe in the ring, the way he swings and punches. <laughs> it's just, it's just not. A, I mean, let, let's let's be honest. You guys, you guys are pros. You know, you know this guy is not going to be some goddamn Hall of Famer. He's got no. He lacks any type of coordination, like technical skills. He's he's a bum. If he wasn't fucking six seven, excuse my language. If he wasn't fucking six seven, and okay, and I'll give it to you now. After a while, you got to give it to him. The guy has power. He's got that equalizer. But I mean, it's that's it. And eventually, you know, that's, he's got to get called out. I mean, he's he's gonna get he's been exposed, and he, he's definitely not gonna go with an unbeaten record. You know, when he faces Joshua. I'll say it again about Deontay Wilder: he's deeply flawed. It's there for the world to see, but he's not easy to defeat. When you have the eraser, see, I could see a scenario in the Wilder Joshua fight. Whenever they meet, I, I think Joshua is gonna control large segments or the majority of that fight. But that whole time, Anthony Joshua, trust me, will be very careful because he understands he could be pitching a no-hitter and give up mm-hmm. the proverbial 10-run home run. We've seen that oh, before from Wilder. Of course, yeah, he has to. He has to be alert at all, literally every second in that round because we've seen it. He's got the equalizer, like you said. But, um, but yeah, but just honestly, I, I just – and on top of that, what really bugged me about him is like – I mean, you, you can read people. You know what I'm saying? It's just like he <laughs> – He's he's phony. Like he just says crap. Like you can tell he's not he's not no goddamn killer. He's a he's a boxer. I mean, guys, we've seen we've seen guys. We've seen Muhammad Ali. You see how Mudrick Taylor talks about. You see, um, I forget his name now. He the guy he fought Nigel Ben. He came in position. There you go. That's right. Uh, I I've seen the documentary how that guy talks now. How he's like, like yo, come on, man. That's why that, that's despicable. And I I don't care what no one says. That's not acceptable. I want to catch a body. He's a fucking punk. He's talking like he's some killer from the hood. He's a cornball. He's a tall, doofy clown who who has a gift, a little bit of a gift because he, he's got power, and that's it. Let, let's, let's keep it real. And um, But with that being said, the Joshua fight, do you know, I to step to a lighter topic, something kind of funny, is that I was, I, was, I was out to dinner with my wife on Saturday, and I actually didn't, I wasn't able to catch the beginning of the fight. So I DVR'd it. I DVR'd the Joshua Parker fight. And by the time when I got home, I got home at exactly in the sixth round. So I watched from the sixth round on. I said, I'm not going to rewind. I'm just going to watch it live. I'll go back and see the first six rounds later. So I do that. I see it to the beginning. 
I re I started the video recording from the beginning. This guy makes such a freaking uh, uh, such a spectacle at the beginning of his, of his fights that the DVR wasn't it, it passed the recording time on the channel. Yeah, it did. I, I missed the season. last three rounds on the original recording when I exactly. got home. Right? Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, I saw the end of it, and I didn't try to you know start it from the beginning because I would have missed it. Uh, can I tell and, you something? Um, you didn't miss yeah. much. Yeah. Oh, of course. Now, I mean, I've seen it now. But um, it, it was hilarious though because he. He um he always it's a goddamn show a whole goddamn you you wouldn't think he had a boxing match just like some crazy event and um uh I'll tell you this though I mean it's annoying to me now it's like like too like too much for for the type of you know opponents that are out there in the heavyweight division but I get it trying to hype it up whatever that's how it is in England but you know, I will say this I like his I like his choice of music he came out to James James uh James Brown paid the cost to be the boss one time and paid it full this Saturday that was awesome I really not. <laughs> You know, I had a bunch of people over at the house, and uh, uh, it was a diverse crew, and uh, people came away wanting to see Wilder, the, the clips that I showed of him, uh, and the, the Ortiz fight, uh, and then they stayed and watched the entire Joshua Parker fight, and uh, they wanted to see Wilder when it was all over. Wow. Just, well, yeah. I mean, he, he made a name, a little, uh, he, he called some, some attention to himself. And real quick, guys, I just wanted to ask you guys a question about an upcoming fight with uh, Tank Davis, Javante Davis. Now, the guy that he's fighting, Cuellar, which is, is, is awesome. It's actually – I've complained about how about his opposition and the people he's fought, and this is actually a, actually a good test for him. I think this is a great – He's a solid guy. Uh, now, I just wonder, yeah. I saw Cuellar about – well, let me just yeah, say one thing about Cuellar. I'm to myself, did they catch him at a good time? Now, I'm saying they they may, they I, I have – I would be surprised if he has a – if he does not have a difficult time making weight, when I saw him three weeks ago at Legends Boxing, and I'm going to go over there in a couple of days, mm-hmm. he looked very, very <laughs> husky. husky. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Who's that, hmm. Davis or Cuellar? Cuellar. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. Well, All right, good. well, listen, we got to get running. Thank you for the call. Thanks, guys. Told you not- uh, 347-215-7598. Gabe, who's next? I even dropped the, uh, this guy just said he wants to catch a body. And, uh, yeah, still, the, the people at my house wanted to see that guy. They're like, well, let's see the guy that knocks people out, is what they yeah. said. Uh, 319, you're live on the next round. Nope. Uh, I guess not, because they just dropped. Uh, you know what? Let's go to Jimmy's Corner. 38 minutes left. 978, you're hey. live on the next round. Hey, guys, what's up, man? Yeah, Jimmy, talk to us. Monday, yeah, I'm a little having a rough day today, so um, I'm, I'm a little. If I sound a little down, that's why. Um, no, but uh, hey, listen, a couple of things. I just wanted to say. Uh, oh, earlier, Gabe, you said what I. I wanted to say the reason why I I was so about the clombuterol, because the day it popped or the day everybody found out, so many people were saying, Ah, this doesn't make sense. Why would somebody be taking clombuterol this far out? And my response is that because. Again, not just me, but everybody I know, and I'm from the 90s. You remember the Northeast of the 90s? <laughs> yeah, no. Everybody. I'm a kid of the 90s. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Hey, those big T. Michael fucking shirts and the Z. Cavarucci pants. Oh, we look like. <laughs> what about the Zubat uh, workout clothes? Those were great. Oh, yeah, dude, craziness. <laughs> yeah, we were all fucking. Oh, yeah, I, I was, dude, I got. To, I was to the point, I mean, no bullshit. I had a 29 inch waist, and my arms almost the size of my head. Like I got, it, it got to the point. It got to the point where women stopped. I knew it got it was bad when I was in Miami, and like, 
the only there was that certain type of girl who talks to you, that hardcore gym rat chick, you know, with no IQ. You don't even have to be mean. And then other guys, how much you bitch, Jesus, dude, look at you. And I'm like, oh my god. The only guys, only people who compliment me are dudes. I think I went too far with this. But yeah, no, so but that's when I had it. But um, so that was my experience. And everybody I know, how we use clenbuterol was at the end. Now let me also say something else. If he was to say he cheated, say again, look at it primat, you know, pragmatically. He changed his routine. Like, say, if you want a court of law, you were sitting as a juror. Everything he did, he changed his routine. He visibly looked. There was a visible change the first time. But my point being, if he did HGH, which again, he's a multimillionaire, he wouldn't have been buying steroids at the local fucking powerhouse. You know what I mean? He'd be flying to Germany, getting a doctor. I'm just telling you what if. If, I, if he was smart, what he would do with that kind of money, a doctor do blood work, make sure there's no hidden cancers because well, they could do all that in Mexico them. too. You know. Yeah, exactly. Fly a doctor and exactly, bang. What am I saying? Yeah, fly a German doctor. Listen, all done up, done right. Clomid to turn his nuts back on so he doesn't go through that emotional, which is the worst part of coming off steroids. And if you fuck around with steroids, you come off at the wrong time. It's actually detrimental and I'm being straight up honest because you go through this lull where you're listless, you're weak and again you need the Clomed but again he would have a doctor to take care of that believe me but my point being so what if he stays clean for a year the gains you gain and again if he did steroids he would do it with HGH what you know like obviously what, how old is Sylvester Stallone was he like 70 fucking 4 yeah, didn't he get busted in Australia trying to sneak that well, stuff in or out well he yeah yes, he trusted but he's, he's, he's legally – like New York was the first state that allowed it. Then California. There's a bunch of states in the country where you can be under doctor's prescription, go and get your weekly shot of HGH. It helps your hair, your skin tighten up. It's a, it's a fucking you – know, it's a fucking youth. He's been an advocate of it. He doesn't hide the fact that he takes it. In fact, I heard that he's a, he owns stock in a laboratory out here in Massachusetts that makes some of the best HGH known to man. So he's a you know, big – and again – I'm just saying there he was in a video with him. And if he did HGH with the steroids, you keep gains. Steroids takes a muscle cell, blows it up. Hmm. HGH splits it. You actually change it. It changes your body. That's the danger. If you take it and you don't have blood work, say you have a fucking small tumor in you that it's not going to appear for four, five, six years, anything. Bang. If it's a tissue, it's going to grow and split. So it's very dangerous on that end. But I'm just saying, whatever gains you get from HGH, you keep a lot of those. You keep like 70% of your gains. So if you cheat, that cheat, you're carrying that. But that being said, um, also... Um, oh, by the way, Barbosa yeah. Fox tweeted at us, and I know this to be true, because I remember being told this back in December. He says, hey, guys, he was, speaking of Canelo, in Europe for a nice period of time. Back yeah, then. he went to the... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, but again, this was to my earlier point, Jimmy, was that, yes, you have all this experience, and then we look at a piece of information like and that, let me finish, and then, and then right, we yep, start looking at everything through that lens. Now, I have experienced yep. the PE world and knowledge and things, and I, I look through it as simply yep. this. Every case is different, and not everything is yep. a suspect. You have to be suspect of everything. It's like, okay, he was in Europe. Well, then, you know... What we got to find out more details. It can't just be like, exactly. Oh, well, he was there. Just like everybody started jumping to conclusions about, well, they're butchers and they should know and this and that. You know, you just don't know his routine. You also don't know the depth of knowledge of a butcher. You don't know if they go everywhere. I mean, how many people do? Where was this meat made? 
I just think people need to confuse and I, and, I, and I said it that night. I said it like when I said all that stuff. I'm only telling you my experience. I have not a clue what Canelo did. I don't know if fucking Triple G did stuff. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just telling you my experience with Clombuterol, and I was addressing why people would take it that far out because you take it at the end of a cycle. But um, right. that being said, and I, can I address something about that? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Gabe. No, I just said that, which is good. Yeah, and, and thank you. And um, can I address something that Ian Kidd, listen, that fucking kid, my God, he's like, he's stuck on this. He's 100% right. Let me say this. With the hair follicle test, you can't tell, they won't be able to tell the variations, meaning they won't be able to tell if it was from tainted meat or if he was taking a boatload, meaning the same way. But that's they true of the urine test, test too. Yes, exactly. But so that's why a hair follicle test would be useless for clombuterol because say, okay, yeah. But that's, was, that's, like, I disagree. Saw, it was already used it to, to, to get a German tabletop player exonerated. The hair, he's wrong in that. He disputes the science oh, no, and all this that's, and that. That's what, oh, thing, but he cherry picks his data and he cherry picks the fact that a guy has used that test and they also use it in horse racing. It has efficacy. Oh. Every test can have the oh, shit yeah, kicked no. out of it. The TE that, ratio test. Was, you know, guys might go to CIR. I don't agree with him. I did, oh, no, it's, Gabe, that's where I was going with this. I think the dude's a fucking zip ahead. That's where I was going with this because he won't <laughs> listen to reason. No, seriously. He won't listen. Uh, you know what? I'm, I was just reading threads. I didn't dare get involved. But this kid, another dude straight out telling him, he's like, listen. Yes, you can't tell the variations. And yes, different, like lighter hair will produce a lower test results in many cases, right. darker, higher. But if they find HGH in steroids in his hair, it doesn't matter the fucking levels. Like, he just didn't grasp it. It's like, okay, dude, you're right. They won't be able to tell. But say if there was a two- or six-week period, they can tell by growth. They'll say, okay, there was a six-week period every day. Clombuterol was in his system. That's hard to right. say, okay, so were you just in ingesting it every day. Yes, they won't be able to tell how much in, but they'll be able to tell it was there. In, they'll be able to tell. And the fact that he also said that it's not admissible in a court of law, I almost threw my phone. People are doing life without the possibility of parole, strictly on hair follicle tests. That fucking, you know what I mean? It's it just, that kid, he's been spitting out misinformation, and, he just, and then he's arrogant about it, too. Like, people were discussing his article, and fuck it, he says, what are you guys tagging me? Are you guys obsessed with me? It's like, all right, dude, you're just all right. Now we know well, what you Well, Jimmy, but, here's yeah. the other part. Yes. He keeps looking over the fact that there's strict liability, which I explained in my article. Like, you could think he's innocent. You could think he's guilty as OJ. However, there is strict liability. That, and I was told by my source that turned my perspective on this a complete 180, that was the part that the commission was boxed in on, that they themselves could not get out of, and that, in fact, if they ruled any other way, the term attorney general was going to get involved was brought up to me. So, listen, the the thing that's interesting is Ian Kidd also says, yeah, I mean, there's a possibility that he is guilty of what everyone says. Okay, well, Ian, some people have that opinion. You have the other. You're only getting pissed off because not everyone's agreeing with you. When you yourself exactly. say there is a possibility he was doing something illegally very purposefully. And by the that's way, I mean, jeez. Well, that's why I said he's cherry-picking the data. You can't go – Exactly. three examples of guys that got off with USADA 
using clenbuterol or, or being caught with clenbuterol and they were ruled no fault. Hair testing doesn't work and I'm going to omit the guy that used it to get exonerated and, and omit the fact that horse racing actually uses this test. You can't end that there's strict liability. It doesn't work like that. Uh, right. But, you know, the arrogancy kind of reminds me of me back in my prime. So and and, and also, also, under the WADA code, there's not any threshold where clenbuterol is legal. Yep. Exactly. And, and, and a lot of people are saying, well, Canelo's people will say, no, wait, because hey, what happens if he was out with a girl one night? And, and, and Gabe, I'm with you on your stance and drugs, dude. I, I still smoke weed. I've fucking done everything. So I know back in the day. But say if he was out partying one night, does it make him a bad guy? He did a bump, right? Say he's out with a girl and this girl's throwing line. He does a bump, you know, has a good night. Whatever. Does it make him a bad guy? No, it makes him human. That's what we forget. These guys are at the end of the day, right? And human. So a lot of people are saying, well, no way would he want to do a hair follicle test because it'll show any chemical that went through his body in a will. But it's all about in the language of the thing. His lawyers could easily say, yes, anything, nothing goes public but PEDs. That could be squashed, meaning like mm. say they find, say they find things that. Oh wait a minute! But again, so if he did coke say back in January, I don't. I, if I was going out, I wouldn't yeah. care. Fuck it, doesn't affect the fight. But some people say, well, he wouldn't want to do that. But there's ways to bury that. Only thing that goes public is if it's something that it would affect his performance. You could write it like that. I'm just saying, there's no. It's definitive. If you pull a hair, whatever chemicals, yes, in. We can't tell the variables. You fucking weirdo. But what we can tell is it was in his body. You know what I mean? So uh, unless I got my social. That's work, it. Yeah, I thought about that. It isn't, it isn't. You're right. It's the other stuff we might find out about. It's <laughs> so a about with the hair follicle. Huh? Exactly. Learn something today. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And you know what? And then, and then, like, and so I forgot who tweeted, but somebody said, "Listen, you think really Gennady at the end of the day cares about clenbuterol four months ago? They want to know if he was willing to do that. Is there HGH? Is there steroids? Because then that's a real issue. The clenbuterol, so he, he burns a little fat. That didn't make him strong. That didn't make him faster. Those other things we spoke of. Hey, Sammy Sosa had never showed us how huh? back in the day what that shit could do for your speed. You know what I mean? Yeah, Turn now Sammy Sosa's ball, right? turned white. It's amazing. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jimmy, real you. quickly, what did you think yeah. of the Anthony Joshua fight? And I say that with uh, dude, uh, Listen, I, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. I, I got no. To me, and again, this is my. I think he still thinks too much. He's not reactive enough to me. I like to see him get more reactive. And this kid, for me, Joshua. I mean, the other kid, Parker. He didn't feel like he ever planted his feet unless he was in close. And he saw the ref running in. But it's like, okay, now you're dealing with a kid. It looked like it looked like Gennady Golovkin. Fighting a like a, a flyweight, it was crazy. So that being said, by the eighth, ninth round, when this kid wasn't planting his feet, obviously wasn't planting his feet. I just would have liked to see Josh push the action a little, step in, maybe take a shot from the kid up to your navel, and fucking, you know what I mean, crack him. I just felt he played too safe, and to me, then I start getting in my own head. What's this kid think he's that big of a star? Hey, just give me the microphone now. I'm gonna flash my smile at you guys. What are you doing? You know what I mean? It's like, dude, again, it's, it's entertainment. I want to see you push the action. He, I felt he got a lucky knockout with Hakeem. I don't think that should have been stopped. And I just felt if this was his position, too, to make himself look bigger, I would have liked to see him go for it. For all you want to say about Deontay, and I'm the first one to say about him, he does put you out. And can I say before I hang up about his comment, let me tell you my thing. I always come from the stance of 
I love boxing, right? I love this sport. I love, like, your knowledge both of you guys gave. You're right down on TVs. I go, I actually, when I want to learn about a lot of shit, I go look up your old articles, Gabe. I, I, I refer to you for a lot of that shit. I, I respect your knowledge on that. And, Steve, I don't think there's a second to you. Fucking, I think you're the top of the game. So, my point being, I don't even know where my point was going with that now. I got so fucking sidetracked. Oh, so, I'm always from the point of, I love boxing. My family's been in this for years. Okay, it's because that fucking dude can punch so hard, right? It's a very real opportunity. He could kill somebody. Now, I've seen videos with him with his daughter. He's got a fucking heart. He would feel terrible for the rest of his life if that happened. That would haunt him. Because I'm telling you, first in experience, there's things that I'm ashamed of and I'm going to have to answer to that I can't take back, and they still haunt me. I have many nights I wake up and they haunt me. And um, that's just not something you want to say. And then... At the end of the day, say if that happened, he'd have to live with it. But who really takes the black eye? Because if he, he worries about nobody knowing who he is now, imagine if he actually killed somebody. It'd be the lead story on every news. But the heavyweight champ says he wants to kill somebody, and he killed somebody. Yeah, like, see, that, just, and that would be unfair. It, and see, it, you know the way they sensationalize things. They would always refer you. to the Breakfast Club, no matter what. Yeah. It could have been a three-hour preamble about the greatest things he's ever done in his life, and that would be the one soundbite exactly. that everyone would focus in on. And, you and know that would that. piss off Radio Raheem because he did the interview first. <laughs> and, and, they, and, they, and they would And hey, he could be the greatest dad And have the biggest heart in the world But right, if he did that That's like you said, you guys know They'd fucking hop on that They wouldn't let it go And at the end of the day, he'd be back in Alabama Fucking dealing with that the rest of his life But, but boxing would take a black eye It would be just mm. not, not another good look That's all, and boxing's going in a good direction Gentlemen, thank you Again, I, I enjoy the fucking show I look forward to it <laughs> I would All say, right. God, give me till Monday All before man. you take me. All <laughs> right. Jimmy, <laughs> All as right, always, Jimmy. thank you very much. Thank it's Jimmy's Corner. Uh, Gabriel, quickly, I don't know if we got to this yesterday or last week, but Joe Goosen is now training Amir Khan. That's an interesting combo, isn't it? I Yeah, it is. But, you know, strangely, I, I feel like he's in good hands. Joe's not going to lie to him. Uh, Joe's not in it for Joe. He really loves his fighters and is there for you got a wealth of knowledge and experience uh you know he uh, uh just all those championship fights his uh, apprenticeship under howie steinler uh the guys he's just and that and, and and what amir needs is to learn how to fight on the inside better and and to know to not be in no man's land you're either all the way in or all the way out and joe teaches that i think as well or better not better than anybody well, so i'm excited everyone to see the, the people don't understand the history of joe goosen Two of the best fighters he ever had were pure boxers, Michael Nunn and Joel Casamayor. Good trainers can train different styles. Not everyone is Kevin the Cookie Cutter Rooney, where everyone's doing the peekaboo, whether you're five foot nine or seven foot two. So, and, I, and I've always thought Joe Goosen is one of the great corner jockeys that has ever uh, put on a denim jacket in the corner. Anyway, Kate, hey, let's go to the next phone call. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, let's see, uh, 313, you're live on the next round. Hello? 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 Yeah. Hey, what's going on, man? What's hey, going on? Talk to us. Hey, man. Um, but, yeah, I say, man, this, this folks, you got to think about it. This guy turned off a career high payday, and now he's saying he want a body. Come on. Really? <laughs> really? And it, 
And if you wanted a body that bad, look, because this would be me talking to him, you know, if I was a hype man for Povetkin, you never rematch, you never rescheduled against Povetkin. You rescheduled against Ortiz, who was like 49 years old. <clears throat> well, that's, 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 that's kind of a joke. I don't think he was 49. Jeez. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, it's a little exaggerated. I'm, I'm not, I'm not playing into the trope that he's, uh, he's lying all these, all these years. The logic for argument does not hold up. He was lying all through the amateurs when he was still in Cuba. I just, I'm just not going to repeat that bullshit. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but to Povetkin, I mean, the guy tested positive twice. Uh, I know. So did Canelo. So did Canelo. He's, he's not going to fight Canelo, though. We're talking about Wilder. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but that's what I'm saying. Like, let's, let's think about it, though. You know, we look at cheats differently sometimes because, I mean, I'm not saying you, but it does seem like we do look at cheats differently. Oh, we have a sliding scale. There's no are. doubt about that. Well, based I, on I, circumstances I, and biases, I, don't, I think we all do it to a certain degree. I mean. Well, I think it's just based on the on the cases, too, you know. Uh but I mean, Canelo's case is not done yet, so I I don't really feel one way or the other about it yet. You know, I just know the facts of the case. Uh, I haven't heard his defense. But with Povetkin, right? He got caught with Mildonian, uh, and then he popped again, right? Uh, so then the fight was off. So I mean, that's kind of on him. And and he's not joined a testing program. I wouldn't go yeah. near that guy. I, I don't I, I don't actually blame year. Wilder for not rematching or resetting the fight. With Povetkin, and again with Louis Ortiz, he got put into an accelerated testing program, so there was a much greater chance that he was probably quote unquote a clean fighter by the time he stepped into the ring. What was that, March third? You know, yeah. to me it's a little different. It, it, it is a little bit different in my view. Understand, but the bottom line, a killer does not front around on uh, <laughs> you know a hundredth of a gram, a hundred, uh, literally a hundredth of a gram. Oh, Meldonium. You think you think well, Marvin Hagler would turn down seven-figure paydays for a hundredth of a gram of cocaine? No, let alone Meldonium. but but again, context is is metabolites. People always point to the amount. It's a metabolite. It was in your system. You pissed it out, and that was what was left behind. Who knows how much he right. was taking when he was taking it? Uh, but also, I think you have to look at the context when they banned it. Like like immediately after the guy tests positive, but like across all these different sports, it was like if you looked at cycling or amateur soccer, professional soccer, tennis, everybody was testing positive for a Meldonian, including the guy he was about to fight. And then the Russian doping scandal breaks right after that. I, I think he was just staring at this going, man, I just dodged a bullet. Who knows what the hell that guy was going, what was on. Uh, I don't, I don't blame him for not going to Russia and fighting that fight. Or Speaking of that, did you see? Did you guys see Icarus yet? I didn't see it, but I'm, I mean, you you heard about I, it, right? Though I, I not only saw it, but uh, I was privy to it as it was happening. Uh, because as Victor, I don't know if you heard our interview with Victor Conte when he was on uh, a few weeks back when the when the uh, Canelo uh, uh, news broke, but he was the, the first guy that the 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 filmmaker contacted. Wanting to, he was like, hey, you know, I want to take the okay. drugs and beat the test. And Victor was okay. like, oh, hell no. Uh, but he introduced him to a guy who introduced him to the guy that he ended up talking to. And there's a, I guess on video, a long conversation between that Russian scientist and Victor. Uh, so there's the, okay. there's the connections. I kind of knew as, as the documentary was being made uh, what was going on. It's fascinating stuff. Okay. And also, what is fascinating as well, no one's really talking about Inouye and McConnell. 
McDonald or McConnell. I'm oh, got the new sure. one? Yeah, that's a, that's that's a, a big fight. time fight. It's a, very good, it's a good fight. Yeah, absolutely. I I think if Newey wins this fight, boy, you know, he is. it's hard to argue against him as being one of the upper, upper elite level fights. I think McDonald's a solid guy at 118. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fight that, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the fight fast fight. And um, it's really, I mean, we talked we talked a couple weeks ago. It seems like Gassiev and Usyk, I haven't really heard anything about the right. delay. So. Let me ask you something. And I've, I've only gotten information that, again, I've passed on. Does it seem to you like they're going to fight in five weeks? It seems that way. I see pictures of both of them training. And, yeah, but you know uh, what? Where are the announcements? Where, where, where are the official releases of the announcements and all that other stuff? I mean, uh, Abel Sanchez flat out said, Steve, we haven't been told anything, but we're going to prepare as if it's May 11th. But even Abel is not certain of the date. Yeah, but unfortunately with Usyk, though, it seems like he took a step back now that he doesn't have Bashir as his trainer. Interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I haven't really noticed that, to be honest with you. Uh, anyway, listen, we got to get running. All Thank right. you for the call. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? Gabe? Uh, that dude's huge on top of him, McDonald. 5'10 to 5'5 five five for Anui. That's, uh, that's uh, I don't know. It could be a water yeah. over there. But we'll, we'll, it, it's going to come out of that, like you said, in the upper echelon. 5'10, you're live on the next round. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Steve. This is uh, Frank over here in Richmond. How you guys doing? Good. What's up? What's up, man? Good. Uh, good, man. Just enjoy the weather. Um, I was wondering if I get you guys' thoughts on uh, Mike Garcia staying at 140. I I actually think he's got a tougher fight if he's going to fight Baranchek. Now, if he fights Carol Relic, that is a that is a unification, so he could bypass that. But I, I once again I'll say it, Gabe. I think he overthought everything. If he stayed at 35 and signed with Golden Boy last year, he would have had certain fights that he yearns for. Instead, he's on the outside looking in. Yeah, they could have done the Linares fight. I think, you know, I still, yeah, I, th- I, I still think lightweight or uh, you know Linares and Garcia. Uh, you know, it's still a kind of. I don't think Linares is going to win the Lomachenko fight. I don't think he'd beat Mikey Garcia, but uh, he at least would be competitive. But, yeah, he could have built on that fight. Uh, there was so much more to do there, and I, I don't get it. But uh, he, I think against Relic, that's a, that's a tough fight for him at 140. I really feel like he's crashing up against his ceiling. I don't see a welterweight the way he's talking. Um, whatever he does, it's not going to be easy. Um, kind of to fold into what you guys are talking about, my uh, two biggest issues are, there's no established champions at 140. There's no established names, no nothing, you know? He has to be the A side to carry the whole fight at 140, whereas at 135. Well, listen, Jose Ramirez is a star, at least regionally. Regis Progrere, who's going to face him next, I believe, that, that guy mm-hmm. has a lot of ability. There are fights out there. But if Mikey Garcia, you're right, Fernando, at 140, wants one of those premium fights, you're right, it kind of isn't out there. But that's on him. He made these decisions for himself. I wonder if it speaks to his like lack of uh, dedication to the sport, where he doesn't want to boil down to one thirty-five anymore. You yeah, know, that's also a possibility. Look, yeah, his next fight, if it's at one forty, will be his third straight fight at junior welterweight. At what point will the WBC make him relinquish that thirty-five pound title? And, um, I think they, uh, they have every confidence in Mikey Garcia. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure if they're uh, going to force their normal rules on him. We'll see. 
Huh, uh, a Heyman fighter who's allowed to keep a title long past due, huh? You never know. Never you know. He won that one thirty-five belt. Isn't that, didn't he already give up that lightweight belt? I thought I read that. No. Like, uh, ago. Uh, as as of now, I don't think that's actually happened. Hmm. And one one separate uh, commentary, I guess, and maybe you guys can follow up on it too. I was watching the the Joseph Parker and um, Anthony Joshua fight. And um, my biggest takeaway was it was like a typical heavyweight fight where they were kind of uh, feeling each other out and then going in for flurries kind of hurt each other. But when those flurries would happen, that, that referee would come in and, like, put the brakes on the whole fight. Well, you know, he didn't he want like to see anyone blanket. get hurt. Come on. Giuseppe cares about the safety of the fighters. He didn't want to see anyone get hurt or killed out there. Anyway. That's my point. Uh, Fernando, <laughs> we got to get going. Thank you for the call. All right, thank uh, you. Who's next, Gabe? Or, or punched. Uh, just a, a tweet, too, at Rob Nose asked, uh, how about Dan Raphael comparing clembuterol use to murder on Twitter? Uh, he did. Yeah. See, that's bad. Hyperbole yeah. much? Come on. He was saying, because somebody was saying, uh, well, he tested, you know, negative, uh, you know, and it was just, it was a bad analogy. Well, well how about this? He did kill May 5th. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's Wilder's body, uh, that pay-per-view card. Uh, <laughs> Maybe they could yeah, pull a hand off of it for Thurman. Nine one seven, you're live on the next round. Nine one seven. Hello? Yes. Milkar. Yo, what's going on? Milkar, you know, let us talk to us. The system is acting funny because it usually like gives you a little beep and tells you you're on and stuff. It's kind so of a new it's... system. We're having problems with it ourselves as as you okay, okay, got cut off the last two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Milkar, yeah, what's I, up? I was on last week too. To be honest, I was listening, and I'm I'm gearing up for the final tonight. Uh, but <laughs> you know, um, by the final, I mean Villanova, Michigan. But um, yeah, me too. <laughs> w- what I will say about the the Wilder, um, sorry, not the Wilder, the Joshua Joseph Parker fight is that I hope it's not indicative of you know a Joshua going the route of Vladimir Klitschko following the, the Corey Sanders knockout because, to me, Klitschko was obviously very effective after that fight, but prior to, he was much more exciting. He was more of a combination puncher. He was willing to take risks. You know, after he got knocked out, kind of what you were alluding to, Steve, but with, with another fight, you were alluding to the uh, Rosario um, Camacho fight. Camacho. Listen, yeah. I remember the first time Glenn Johnson banged a right hand off of Chad Dawson. Chad Dawson was never the same after that. He was still effective, still had a very good career. But check Chad Dawson prior to the Glenn Johnson fight and after their first matchup. Totally different guy, I thought, in a lot of ways. Yeah, much different. And I think Joshua, at least in the last two fights, has been very different, much more cautious. Um, he just he doesn't throw much more than a two-punch combination. And even then, most of the time... He was just throwing jabs, um, kind of keeping uh, Parker at bay. I, I just hope that's not what we see moving forward. But that that that's about it, man. All right. Uh, by the way, who's your pick tonight, Nova or Michigan? I'm going with Nova. They seem to be running no. on all ten cylinders here. You know, I I pick Michigan in my bracket. So if I win uh, tonight with Michigan, I I make kind of a windfall at work. But, um, okay, so go Big Blue. Okay, I got I'm you. I'm a Michigan fan, but it's going to be difficult. I'm telling you that much. It's going to be difficult. 
Okay, go Big Blue, Milkar. Thank you very much. Right, thanks as always, guys. I'll be on next. Oh, gotcha. Right. Uh, Gabe, who's next? <laughs> uh, let's go unlisted. Actually, let's go five three zero. You're live on the next round. Five three zero. Uh, hello, Gabe, Steve. What a what a show this has been. <laughs> well, thank you very um, much. I, uh, uh, yeah, thanks. I think. Today. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it's been interesting. I'm glad I have my gloves on. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I, I on this Canelo thing, guys. I'm going to be a hard ass. I want to see a full year suspension where he mm. misses two significant paydays. Not only that, I want to see him being a, a demanding drug testing program for the rest of his career afterwards. Whew, that, that, you know what? Mm. You do a full year where that guy's missing at least $50 million, and he has to do an accelerated drug program, which I've said every fighter that tests hot should go through that like they do in other sports. Gabe, can anyone really complain about that type of discipline? No, I, I think it's uh, it's something that needs to happen with everybody. You know, it's the hard part is you know how do you pay for that? You know, who's going to well, pay for uh, it? Well, Gabe, uh, th- it's time for boxing to set an example, and Canelo Alvarez is the perfect tool to do that. You you suspend him for a full year where he misses he misses May and he misses September and he misses next May, and then then you you put the stipulation in where he's fully tested for the rest of his career, I think that'll send a message Ugh. throughout boxing. But the thing wow. is, is, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying who pays for that testing for the rest of his um, career? Is it I think it would be up to his promoter and him himself. You I know, if I, you put that in as the standard and letting everyone involved know, you test hot, this is what's going to, uh, become your fate that you're going to pay for your own testing. That's another impediment, Gabe. That's another thing we're like. Oh, wait a minute. Let's let's think about what we're doing here. I mean, you it's, guys, you guys may think I'm crazy, but uh, no, I'm just thinking I'm, of enforcing it across different commissions that don't all follow each other's rules. You know, fifty. There's fifty well, states. See, 50 Nevada, Nevada could Indian. be the leader here. If Nevada goes along with something like this, then New York yeah. and California would follow. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And then, you know, maybe you, you know, you fine him a certain amount and say this pays for, for that, you know, 20 grand to VADA for the next year. You know, that, that's probably what it's going to be, you know, 20, 20 grand a year to test the guy. Uh, now, now I don't know if this is feasible or possible, but uh, he blew a big payday here. And uh, there, there was probably going to be more than a million people buying the pay-per-view because they wanted to see this rematch. Um, you know, you you got to set it. You got to send a message here, and I feel I feel bad for Gennady. I mean, he's done everything the right way, and now he's going to fight somebody that nobody's going to care about. And uh, you know, I I think Tom and Gennady need to move on with with his career and let Canelo clean up his own mess. Well, they're going to do that May fifth, and again, we are making an assumption that it's a six month. Suspension. Now, if it's a year, second half of the year, I think Gennady's going to have to face one of these really difficult, oh, tough mandatories. You know, it, it is what it is. He wanted yeah, to belt, no, and kind of, there look, comes the responsibility kind of, punishes, of him. Uh, a look, year if he's going to stay at 160, he, he's got to fight the Charlos. He's got to fight the people who are mandated. 
And he's got to, and if he wants to get all the belts, he's got to face Billy Joe Saunders. I mean, uh, look, I, I sympathize with what he's gone through here. It's not his fault, but um, uh, it's time for him to move on with his career, and that, that's the punishment I'd like to see for Canelo. I don't know if that'll happen, but that's what I'd like to see. And as far as the Joshua Wilder thing, I predicted on my show when we did a show Saturday night, Steve, it won't happen for another year. I think Joshua will find whatever way possible to avoid it. Saturday night showed me that he did not want, he's not ready to face a significant puncher who has an eraser. I think he's going to do whatever he can to avoid it for another year. Okay, you're on the record, Robbie. Thank you for the call, Gabe. Who's next? That's good stuff. Um, Let's go uh, 281. You're live on the next round. Four minutes left. Hey, guys, this is Nate. Nate, Nate, hey, quick. <laughs> so do, do you think the uh, Nevada Athletic Commission would have uh, opened up the book and looked at their own rules if um, Golovkin and his camp, especially Golovkin, wouldn't have started making so much noise? I think they certainly were influenced by that and the public perception. And – Listen, every fighter has a team. Those teams include lawyers, legal representation, and, um, you know, that's part of their job, you know? Yeah, I kind of, man, I mean, I wish, and I wish the commission really would have looked at that sooner because now you look at this thing and it's like it's a, it's a mess. If they would have ruled on it right away, then, you know, everyone could have picked up and moved on and maybe you have an opportunity to do whatever else on May 5th, but right now, it's a month away. You know, you're gonna they're gonna have trouble really doing anything other than like what Michael Sullivan or something, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, they're gonna fight May fifth against somebody. Spike O'Sullivan seems to be the guy. Um, you know, listen, they kind of put their career on hold for this guy. Um, you know, as of at least as it relates to May fifth, they got to move on. I mean, you can't cry in your milk or cry over spilled beer. It, it is what it is. It's unfortunate, but. You know, listen, he made a score the last fight. He made an eight-figure fight. Let's not, we don't have to throw a benefit for him. I mean, I'm in the boxing for the boxing. I'm not here to be an accountant, you know. <laughs> hey, speaking of accountant, though, I was, I was looking again at, um, you know, the article you wrote last week, you know, that had the, the little uh, excerpts of the rules in it. And, you know, it specifies in there a fine of, of what, 15% of this, of, of the first, not just the 30%. Jeez. I mean, if, wow, if it, if it, I don't know what Canelo's first was supposed to be, but <laughs> that was drug testing. Yeah, you're right. That would. I mean, that, that that's one way me might be able to fund it. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. it's a different subject. Oh, I was so looking forward to to Joshua Parker fight, and uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> what a disappointment! But oh my god, that ref! Oh my god! And, you know, I mean, the, the way that I saw it was that, yeah, I mean, it was a detriment to both that ref, but, you know, at first they, they kind of tried to fight on the inside. The second half of the fight, I think, he, you know, he must have threatened to DQ him or take points or something because every time they got into on the inside into a clinch later on in that fight, Joshua just didn't do anything. He, he was like, I'm not throwing a punch. I don't care. He's just kind of waiting, waiting for the ref. <laughs> like, oh. 
It was a bad referee for a bad fight. Nate, we got to get running. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, before we get cut off here, we are going to sign off. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but uh, 6 o'clock means you're, you're getting the hell out of here now. So on behalf of David Duenas and the rest of the Leave It in the Ring Radio Network for Gabriel Montoy, this is Steve Kim saying till the next round, goodbye, everybody.